Welcome to the Naturally Nourished Podcast that delivers cutting-edge food as medicine solutions for optimal health. Allie Miller is a nutrition expert sought up by the media and America's top medical institutes for her revolutionary functional medicine interventions. From disease treatment to prevention, every episode will empower you with ways to put yourself back in control of your health. Please note, the topics discussed are for educational purposes only. Now welcome, Integrative Dietitians Allie Miller and her co-host Becky Yu. You are joining us for episode 121 of the Naturally Nourished podcast, and today we are talking all about keto and women's hormones. This is a topic that both Becky and I are addressing daily with varied client needs and truly within ourselves, both being women. (laughs) And there are some serious changes that occur when the body shifts from being a sugar burner using glucose as the primary fuel to being a fat-burning machine and producing ketones. So these influences metabolically can actually impact the hormone production in the brain via the HPA axis, as well as directly with the thyroid, the ovaries, and the adrenals. Yes, this is such a hot and buzzworthy topic. We've been asked about it for episodes and episodes at this point and have been promising for a while. So I'm really glad that we're getting to hit on it today. But I think it does take quite a skilled practitioner to actually determine areas of weakness or higher need in a particular client's body. And it's really important to note that depending on the season and you know what's going on in that person's life and, and all of that, these needs can need to be modified or changed. Yes. And, we've both experienced yeah. that, I think. <laughs> Yeah. Um, And often, you know, keto does get a bad rap on hormones, but I think when it's done correctly and when the body isn't in total freak out burnout mode, we do see that a high fat and low carb diet can often promote hormonal balance. Yes. So we will definitely in this episode, be sure to cover where you can go wrong in your keto, which can throw imbalance in the body. And then how you can, I guess, adjust or modify your keto to be harmonious with your body's hormone cycles. Uh, We're going to troubleshoot a lot of problems from hair loss to amenorrhea or loss of period to bad cramps to uh, varied shifts with hot flashes and what have you. You guys sent in a lot of great questions. But I just want to note that we do have a lot of episodes that have covered, I feel, a good amount of territory in the women's hormone world. So Becky will be sure to link in today's show notes our episodes. We have two of them on PCOS. We have an episode actually called Women's Hormones as a great kind of 101 to get you guys rocking and rolling in the concepts that we're to discuss and the varied types of estrogens and whatnot. We also most recently posted an episode on estrogen and endocrine disruptors. And um, then I would also revisit episode 75 on carb cycling. That's where we started to kind of present the influence that leptin as a hormone could play an interchangeable relationship with your sexual hormone expression and how you might want to find the cycle of your body to drive your need to carb cycle. Awesome. And, and you know, on the hair loss note, we also did an episode that we hit on hair loss and keto back in, I don't know what episode it was, but hair, skin and nails it was. I'll make yes. sure I link that one as well, because that's a big question I get. But hopefully we'll be tying together a lot of the highlights from all of those episodes. So you can find a lot of this information in, in one place. Yes. Um, so <laughs> let's start first with um, how keto actually influences hormones and hormone production. Yeah. So one of the primary mechanisms is on the fact that nutritional ketosis is going to lower your insulin levels. So remember, insulin is a hormone made by the pancreas that is released in response to elevations in blood sugar. So for people that are eating a standard American diet or, you know, even some form of a moderate carb diet but not nutritional ketosis, every time they eat carbs, their blood sugar goes up, their insulin levels go up, and then insulin drives that fuel into the cells, and then the excess fuel gets stored as fat. When you reduce your carbohydrates to the level that reduces the demand of insulin, right – 
Um, then you're going to see reductions in overall insulin levels, uh, less insulin resistance, which often is a pre-step to diabetes. So with pre-diabetes, we see insulin resistance where there's excess levels of insulin and that's not docking to allow the blood sugar in. But again, if you're running off of fat as fuel, you're not making excess insulin. So you start to get more sensitivity and your total insulin levels come down. This is favorable because we also then will see hand in hand an increase in leptin. And leptin is a hormone that registers as satiety. It's really the easiest way to describe it. Um, it docks in the brain and it also docks on other receptors. Uh, we have leptin receptors on our thyroid, on our ovaries, and throughout varied uh, systems of the body. And when we're looking at leptin, leptin actually impacts the influence of hormone from the pituitary. And the pituitary is a part of the brain that is the P in that HPA axis. So when we talk about HPA access, we're talking about the sympathetic fight or flight response in the body, okay? So you go keto, you bring your carbs down, your insulin levels go down, your leptin goes up, and all of a sudden, a part of your brain starts to work differently. Um, so is that enough of a <laughs> little yeah. bit of a foundation? Okay, okay. So in in the... Um, pituitary gland. Um, that's again where, where now the leptin is docking to the hypothalamus, that's the H before the P, and saying this person is satiated, they are well fed, all is well. Now the pituitary is like, well, hey, I have some other things I can do. I can start to impact my levels of follicular stimulating hormone and luteinizing hormone. We think of these a lot in what regulate a woman's cycle. Um, so your FSH and your LH, these play a huge role in fertility and also healthy menstruation. We see that when leptin levels go up with keto, that generally speaking, we can see an improved ratio of our FSH and LH. Um, and we also see that leptin can induce pituitary cells to make these hormones if they're suppressed or low with or without the stimulation of your gonadotropin releasing hormone, which is to be the stimulator. So just that leptin docking from that high fat nourishing diet can be enough to allow that part of the brain that regulates sexual hormone to be in optimized balance. And remember also the pituitary regulates your thyroid because the pituitary makes your thyroid stimulating hormone or TSH. So there can be an impact on thyroid as well when leptin levels go up. Okay. And then I know the pituitary does a lot of other things in the body as well. So let's just kind of talk about the complex synergy there before we get more into the mechanisms of keto. So what else does our pituitary gland influence in the body? Yeah. So beyond the FSH and LH, which might be more like esoteric or out there, uh, the pituitary also regulates our estrogen and progesterone production. So these may be hormones that you listeners are more familiar with or have heard me speak to. And when our estrogen and progesterone levels are imbalanced, uh, especially if we're dealing with estrogen dominance, uh, we can see increased blood pressure, uh, we can see cardiovascular impact, we can see depression, anxiety, and sleep disturbances. We can see with drops of estrogen level, uh, impact on bone health that's unfavorable. We can see an autoimmune-like influence when estrogen is dominant or progesterone is too low. And then, of course, if those hormones are off, especially in balance, uh, imbalanced with the FSH LH, we can see impacts on our cycle, our fertility, our libido, and so many more elements on lady problems. <laughs> so it's important to note that, again, you know, you you can have imbalance in estrogen and progesterone if your progesterone is too low or if your estrogen is too high. Yes. So estrogen dominance could express in a number of different ways. And again, back to the estrogen and endocrine disruptors podcast, that'll explain a whole lot more about estrogen dominance. 
Totally. And so, you know, digging into the P of the HPA axis or the pituitary gland, um, when leptin increases as our satiety hormone, we often see less frequency of eating or extended fasting. Um, and it's important to understand that keto alone upregulates your HPA access. So it does have a moderate impact on driving a little bit more of like a rev or a fight or flight sympathetic nervous system response. And in some people, this is actually part of that like feel good vibe energy surge um, and that like adrenaline, if you will. And for some people that feels awesome in their starting point. Um, but we need to be proactive in tonifying this access so that you don't tip into chronic overdrive fight or flight mode where you're functioning in a reactive state because then all of the regulatory components, including women's hormones, will get thrown off. Yes. So that keto high may not last forever and we've got to figure <laughs> out kind of how to redirect a little bit. But So in a way, I guess we can say that keto can be somewhat stressful or stressing to the body, right? Yeah. And it's, you know, something that in the industry of a ketogenic diet and promotion, we need to be proactive about again. So it's definitely stressful in the sense that it can drive in the body some feedback of food insecurity, especially if you are fasting regularly or doing prolonged fasts, uh, your cortisol level is going to go up. And this is a protective measure in the body. Um, but you know, on the other hand, a high fat diet. So if you're doing a quality focused ketogenic diet, we do see in research as far as women's hormones that increasing your fat upwards of 5% um, in a range upwards of 12% increase can actually increase estrogen and um, testosterone levels in women after menopause when their hormones are declining. So a high fat diet can help as the biggest builder for sexual hormone balance, but irregular eating um, and food insecurity perce perception of the body can drive excess cortisol or that stress response because the body's like, I don't know, Allie isn't feeding me. And that can be compounded if you're over-caffeinating, over-exercising, and under-sleeping. So these are all things that I call the trifecta of hormone imbalance when you're jumping into nutritional ketosis. Yes. And to add to that, you know, the people who are doing all of those things are probably those type A's like you and I both. And then it's like, oh, we just need to keto harder, fast yes. longer, <laughs> um, eat less or eat, you know, restrict our eating further. So maybe that's not the right way to go and approach things. Right, right. And, and we'll talk about modifying your fasts and what might work for you. So it doesn't mean that you can't practice any form of intermittent fasting. Uh, but again, allowing the body to feel secure and safe is at utmost importance if you want to balance out your reproductive hormones or if you're postmenopausal, just your sexual hormone balance, because otherwise the body's going to restrict production. But again, keto on its own can be beneficial. High fat can help us to build and produce hormones. And then the other positive I would say as far as keto is on that HPA access, we actually can metabolize DHEA. And DHEA is often seen elevated with women that deal with PCOS. Actually, a lot of the questions that came in to me were about excessive DHEA. So doing tight nutritional ketosis can actually metabolize DHEA via the pathway of 7-keto DHEA. So it is a precursor or a building block used or metabolized in the production of ketones. So if you're someone that's dealing with excessive DHEA, you would want to do a tighter keto and bring your ketones up to metabolize that down. Whereas if you're someone who has low DHEA, that could be a barrier to your success with keto and you may need to do further advanced adrenal testing. You're likely in a state of adrenal fatigue and you probably will need to supplement with our adrenal support compound as well as potentially actually DHEA as a steroid. Right. And that's an area you could dig deeper on doing our neurohormone complete plus panel to actually look at where your DHEA is falling. It's not a good strategy to just kind of guess. Definitely don't take that yeah. blindly, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so I'm sure we'll circle back to more on that in a bit. But if we're talking first about a, a positive influence of keto and women's hormones, let's talk a little bit more and dig into some of the other highlights of why keto can work well for balancing hormones. 
Yes. So I think the first one to note, especially in my like food as a medicine keto approach, because not all keto is created the same. We know that. Uh, my keto is anti-inflammatory because it's real food focused and it removes the pro-inflammatory ingredients of gluten and soy and corn and processed chemical shitstorms, as I call them. So one of the first steps in healing is really to reduce inflammation in the body and a whole foods-based keto can be very anti-inflammatory. Layering on some of the abundance elements of our keto as medicine and what we use in our virtual ketosis program uh, is we just set the goal last class to heal leaky gut with bone broth, collagen, and gelatin. So each week in our program, we're layering on things. Once you've removed, what can you add in to support the function of the body? So when we're adding in these therapeutic foods that help with leaky gut, that further is going to provide reduced inflammation. And that's going to put the body into more of a regulatory versus reactive mode. If the body's less uh, distracted with inflammatory foods and food sensitivities, uh, we're not going to see as much cortisol and we're going to allow the body to get more into that safe place where regulatory function is optimized. So bone broth, collagen, and gelatin are great for that. As our high antioxidant phytocompounds. So both Becky and I are big proponents of a lot of color in our keto diet and um, getting in our two to three cups of leafy greens, using anti-inflammatory seasonings and spices, cruciferous vegetables to support detoxification. All of this works in synergy to balance out the body. And then as you layer on that high fat, that's going to continue to produce the tonifying influence on hormone and adrenal gland function. Got it. And then beyond that, let's talk about um, the insulin sensitivity piece of the puzzle and the effect of keto on hormones and, and infertility. Yeah. So, you know, when we think of the approach to infertility, there usually are the drugs Clomid, which is essentially like a slingshot to the pituitary. It, all we know is that it influences the pituitary. Well, I mentioned earlier that when our leptin goes up, we get an influence on the pituitary, which is a different approach to balancing out that FSH and LH. So keto itself can enhance pituitary function. Um, and we do tend to see an improved ratio. And then the other drug that's used in infertility is metformin, right? Which mm -hmm. is going to play a role on supporting insulin sensitivity and reducing excess insulin. We see that elevated IGF-1 or insulin growth factor is a marker independent for infertility. And you can bring down your insulin levels by practicing a ketogenic diet. So all really cool stuff there. And then the other element that I haven't mentioned yet as far as sexual hormone is the, the uh, prolactin levels. This is also regulated by the pituitary. And for women listening that are dealing with anovulatory cycles, so they're not ovulating, but they are cycling, uh, if they're dealing with belly fat, breast tenderness, irregular cycles, often this is due to elevated prolactin. So you can get prolactin levels tested in the blood, and we see prolactin going up in response to stress. <laughs> and then we also see prolactin um, can increase with people that are having elevations in blood sugar levels. So keto mechanistically can bring prolactin levels down as long as you're not, again, upregulating stress with your keto. And then there are food as medicine solutions too. In fact, hemp seeds are one of my favorite tools to regulate prolactin levels. Uh, these can help with the support of GLA, uh, the gamma linoleic acid, the type of fat in there. Um, and they can help to reduce that excess prolactin and can be something fun to use within your cycle to regulate your hormones. Cool. I'll make sure I link to our favorite hemp seeds in our show notes. And then what about supplements if we know we are dealing with elevated prolactin or just high stress in general? Yeah. <laughs> so if your hormones have gone off with your keto diet, the first thing I would start with is doubling down on your bubble wrap for your stress response because chances are that that's the issue. Uh, so we want to look at things like our adaptogen boost. In fact, there's been research studies on um, some of the compounds in that formula. In fact, uh, the ginseng root in there 
has been shown to actually have prolactin or, or half lower in half prolactin levels. Um, and so that can be very helpful for support of hormone balance, puts us out of that fight or flight mode. And then also in the adaptogen boost is the cordyceps, which are very tonifying for our stress access, allow us to reduce less of that cortisol. Um, and then the rhodiola, which can be very balancing as well. And then the Calm and Clear includes adaptogens and nervines, and it includes ashwagandha. And ashwagandha has been shown to support GABA influence in the body. So it helps us to adapt to stress and release or let go during stressful periods. And that Calm and Clear also supports clear cognitive function and alpha brainwaves, which is that like deep, meditative, relaxed state. So it doesn't allow us to go into that fight or flight overdrive mode if we're regulating with the adaptogen boost and the calm and clear. Allie, would you say calm and clear is your desert island supplement? Oh, totally. (laughs) It's so funny. Um, So I've been filling out these supplement forms, which (laughs) um, Becky, I filled out 48. I replied to 48 people's supplement forms over this weekend. It it took me hours. (laughs) It was an entire day in the clinic. But anyway, um, and I think of the 48 I completed Calm and Clear was recommended to at least 45. I was dying as I was like putting together some notes for this episode. I was like, yeah, that is my like Oprah giveaway. Yep. Everyone gets yep. one. Yeah. <laughs> And this episode is airing today. We actually just extended the discount. If you haven't tried Calm and Clear yet, you're totally missing out. Um, so we've extended the discount. I think it's called it's Calm 2019, right? That's correct. Yep. Is the coupon code. And um, you have until January 31st to get, what was the discount on it? 15%. 15% off. So check it out. Awesome. I've been told it <laughs> saves marriages and it, I'm, I feel like as a testament, it's <laughs> yep. saved me from varied breakdowns of sorts. <laughs> yeah. I've started popping them to Byron who is already like so calm and so clear, but just so he has like the wherewithal to deal with me, um, there you go. <laughs> at my, at my best and worst. Uh, awesome. So I'll make sure I, I include that promo code in the show notes. Um, and the supplement form that Ali's referring to is a way for you guys. I'll link to that as well. Um, although it sounds like we're, we're getting a lot of them. Oh, oh gosh. Um, <laughs> here it comes. Um, yeah. that's a way for, you know, if you're not in a place to become a client or just kind of looking for some generalized guidance and, and information about what supplements might work best based on your symptoms, that's a way to get a personalized response with links and click through to products that could work really well for you. Yes. But awesome. I really feel the podcast is a great resource. Yeah, start with the start with the podcast. <laughs> start with if you're if you're gonna say in your supplement form, for instance, constipation as your concern, how about let's just make a friendship agreement, you listeners, <laughs> that you first listen to the episode on perfecting your poop, where you could search the word constipation on my website. You'll see a blogs, you'll see that episode. And if you click on the episode show notes on our website, you will actually get clickable links to all of the suggestions and supplements. So chances are that that's going to be your best first resource. And the fact that we have 121 now episodes, you may not even need that form. But for those of you other zebras, (laughs) I'm happy to address. (laughs) Exactly. So the same way you would you know, Google something before you ask the question. Thank you. <laughs> ask, ask it on our site. See if we've already got a blog or a podcast. Chances are we do have a whole bunch of resources. Help okay. me reserve my adrenals. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So back to today's topic uh, with that lovely little detour. So keto with a real food balanced focused approach using proactive stress support. And I guess, you know, mindfulness of timing of that supplementation and and kind of time of cycle as well is really important for getting positive outcomes on hormones. What about the thyroid and the adrenals that you just mentioned? And then we'll circle around into some of the individual questions that we got. Yeah. So the thyroid is intimately connected, um, as intimate as the uh, ovaries or gonads in this HPA axis. So, you know, it can actually be referred to the HPAT, meaning hypothalamic pituitary adrenal thyroid, or the HPAO, hypothalamic pituitary adrenal ovarian. Um, so this, this sympathetic nervous system response can influence the thyroid and our ovaries 
quite directly. Uh, most women dealing with hypothyroidism actually also will have low progesterone or estrogen dominance, and that could be based on, again, the, the baseline low progesterone or excess of, of estrogen production. And that's usually because the insufficiency of the low output from the thyroid distracts the pituitary gland from focusing on the fine tooth regulation of our sexual hormone. So that's another kind of layer that might be distressing your sexual hormone balance. So as kind of a reminder, the keto diet can help to resolve many imbalances in the thyroid as well, right? So we think of the connection of, for instance, Hashimoto's thyroiditis with uh, gluten because that gliadin protein and gluten can mimic our T4 or our thyroid hormone. So that can throw up your antibodies. Um, we also know that there's a connection that when insulin levels go down and inflammation goes down, the thyroid performance is enhanced. But with that being said, the thyroid, even maybe more so than the ovaries, is particularly sensitive, be that it's the regulator of our metabolism. Uh, it's very sensitive to both nutrient deficiencies and food insecurity. Yes. So that's the big <laughs> aha, where if your keto is eating fast food burger patties with you know, cheese, and you're getting a lot of endocrine disrupting hormones in the, you know, growth hormone in the meat, that's distressing your body, right? Because it's throwing up the estrogen. And then you're not getting the leafy greens, you're not getting the plant-based antioxidants, you're not getting vitamin mineral density. Um, and maybe you're just doing a one meal a day, that's creating then food insecurity on top of that with the infrequency of eating. Sure. That's, I think that's super, super important to note about the thyroid, like that's its, you know, main function is to turn right. things up or turn things down based on, you know, what's available and, and perceived stress or danger to your body. Exactly. Right. So, you know, we see in research that low calorie diets um, and keto independently have been assessed to drop the thyroid hormone, the active form of T3. So yes, the ketogenic diet can drop your, your free T3. Um, however, it's still controversial whether the decline in the serum T3 is correlated with um, the blood glucose and ketones. And um, what's interesting to see in studies is that there was no correlation with insulin drop or glucagon. So the impact of the the pancreas in regulating blood sugar has no impact those hormones on the thyroid. It's really seen in drop of carbohydrate and drop of calories. Now, what adds insult to injury is that calorie drop is what will increase the reverse T3. And the reverse T3 is like the brakes on your metabolism. So the regulation or the decline of your free T3 when you go keto may recalibrate after 6, 8, 12 weeks of nutritional ketosis as long as you're not going food insecure or total calorie insecure. So studies show that when restriction of less than 800 calories is sustained. So if someone stays at a very low calorie diet prolonged, their reverse T3 is going to increase. And that's literally the body being like, whoa, Allie's not feeding you. Let's put a break on this metabolic land and lower the hormone output and stop the fat burn. Awesome. So we have a really good podcast actually on the stress and thyroid connection that digs more into that. But so what I'm hearing is that active thyroid hormone may reduce with carb restriction, but the studies are not showing if this mechanism eventually resets. Um, we do know with confidence that reverse T3 is going to increase with that stress and calorie restriction, but it's not specific to carbohydrate restriction per That's se. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's reverse T3 is something we always recommend adding on if you're doing a thyroid panel, cause it gives you a, a fuller picture of what's going on. Uh, but it's just so important that we keep, you know, nailing in all the impact of proactive stress support yes. <laughs> uh, and getting ahead of this stuff before it, it happens. Cause you're, you know, your body, again, it's not like trying to rebel against you. It's trying to protect you by driving right. up that reverse T3. And we're not going to recommend an 800 calorie sustained keto diet, but that's possible if you're doing one meal, one meal a, day a day and subsisting on like coffee and <laughs> that yeah. cheeseburger with, you know, <laughs> um, so yeah, we want to make sure we're taking all the supplements, bubble wrapping our system, keeping our glands protected 
against the stress. Yes. And, you know, beyond the stress increasing the reverse T3, which totally will impact the thyroid, the stress and the infrequency of eating can keep the HPA axis again into this reactive versus regulatory mode. So reactive mode means that there will be elevations in cortisol, right? Reactive means, as we just discussed, there will be drops in your thyroid production. There will be drops in your sexual hormone binding globulin. um, And this can lead to your ovaries producing more estrogen than necessary, which can create heavy prolonged periods. So this is kind of like the first area where some people go keto and they notice they're doing these heavy cycles, prolonged periods. It's likely because they've increased their cortisol output, their sexual hormone binding globulin has gone down and they're going estrogen dominant. Um, and, And that's a big area imbalance. And then over time, on contrast, if you have elevated thyroid hormone output, you're going to see an increase of your sexual hormone binding globulin, and that can cause light periods. So it's kind of the opposing effects. Got it. So either way, stress has a big, big impact on- Yeah. And I mean, beyond that sexual hormone binding globulin, which has a direct influence in estrogen production, remember the pituitary again has other mechanisms of action. Like we talked about prolactin earlier. We talked about FSH and LH. And then the other one I haven't mentioned yet is that the pituitary plays a regulation on oxytocin, which is our feel-good hormone, right? This is what will drive libido. This will drive mood, cognition, and just kind of this overall bliss factor. So we can see again, that that poor little gland in the brain has a lot of weight to regulate. (laughs) And the big kind of aha is to keep your body in regulatory function, not fight or flight reactive mode. Yes. I think that's so important to know. And and even good stress, like you're planning a wedding and you feel like you're totally on top of everything and killing it in your keto and fasting and going to spin class and waking up early. And then you just like hit this wall. And I might be speaking from personal (laughs) experience because that was me. (laughs) Right? No, it's so true though. I always hear people like, well, I need less sleep. This is awesome. I'm killing it in this keto. And then it's like, and kapow, right? All of a sudden you lose your period or something else happens and your body's literally putting out the alarm system of this is not balanced. Help, help. Yeah. Yeah. And, And I think our emphasis is, you know, this isn't 100% associated with carb restriction. In fact, carb control and keto might have a favorable impact over time on cortisol, but it's just kind of making sure that you're regulating all those other aspects of stressors to your body, good or bad. Yeah, totally. And that's a good point to make. So like I said, keto alone does upregulate your HPA access. And in most people, they will see a little bit of an influx of cortisol output. But we've actually seen on the opposing level in end-stage adrenal fatigue that the ketogenic diet can actually reverse the dysregulation of cortisol metabolism. It can decrease cortisol clearance, which means that there's more circulating cortisol in the body, um, and it can increase cortisol regeneration. So we can see that uh, that will drive overall an increase in blood cortisol levels, and that's probably because the body perceives the need for more cortisol. Um, Just be mindful if you're not in adrenal fatigue and you're in an excess adrenal output, you're going to definitely have to give your body some support on how it can metabolize that cortisol. So something to consider is curcuminoids. We actually see that curcumin um, can inhibit a pathway in the body. Um, It is... 1-11-beta-hydroxysteroid dehydrogenase. <laughs> you don't have to memorize that. But there was a really cool study that was done that looked at people in a high-fat, low-carb diet, um, and their metabolic syndrome pattern was reversed. Their blood cortisol levels regulated, uh, be that to that fact that the clearance went down and the regeneration went up. And the cool thing is that curcumin also regulates that phase two detox support. And for those that are in excess cortisol can help to metabolize the excess. So it has a great pendulum swing. So if you're someone that doesn't know if you're in overdrive or underdrive mode, dosing with our super turmeric could be a really great support for cortisol metabolism. Cool. So super turmeric can be adaptogenic. Who knew? Yeah, in sense. Yeah, absolutely. And <laughs> yeah. that, that biochemical pathway. Sure. And then beyond that, I know we often recommend relax and regulate, especially those folks who are like starting keto and all of a sudden they need less sleep or they're waking up at yes. 3 a.m. and they're like, oh, 
I can start my day. Guys, you got to sleep more than that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We all need at least seven hours, let's say. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And then finally sticking to, to thyroid, um, I want to tackle just on a mechanistic level. Um, we said that keto over time can drop T3, but keto alone will not impact that reverse T3. What about the role of ketosis interfering with conversion of inactive thyroid hormone or T4 to T3 in the active form? Sure. So, you know, the hypothalamus and pituitary and and a lot of the parts of the brain require glucose to function. And this is where you'll get a lot of kind of backlash if you put your question in the in the Google machine <laughs> about how the, the thyroid responds to keto. Uh, the other thing you might see is that thyroid stimulating hormone actually has glucose within its molecular uh, build, right? So glucose is actually a building block within your thyroid stimulating hormone. Important to note that when you go into a nutritional state of ketosis, your glucose does not zero out. (laughs) So you are still a hybrid. You are a fat-burning machine. You're making nutritional ketones, but your blood glucose is not going to drop substantially below 70, right? You're still going to be using glucose as a hybrid, and glucose will still be available for TSH and still be available to regulate that hypothalamus and pituitary. Um, We do see that evidence does seem to point to this lowered T3 as a adaptation to the body, right? So this can allow the body to get into a deeper state of ketosis and preserve muscle mass. And this can be a positive thing. Um, And this can be monitored if your T3 goes down a little bit. I usually like it about like 2.8. So maybe your T3 is hanging at 2.2. If your TSH and your free T4 are within normal level, I would have no concern with that. In fact, some research studies argue that low T3 levels are associated with a longer lifespan. Um, And so that could be a favorable influence for your body. Okay. Got it. And those functional ranges, we have them linked in a blog post that I'll make sure that I link to as well, just so you can take a look. If you do have a thyroid panel to peek at, um, you can take a look at how we would interpret that and what levels would be appropriate. Cause I think the ranges can be a little bit misleading at times. Yeah. And it's, again, just to kind of hone in, last thing on thyroid before we move on is that, again, the T3 level lowering with an elevation of reverse T3 is definitely concerning. But carb control or a ketogenic diet alone will not increase reverse T3. It is excessive fasting or time-restricted eating or a high-stress lifestyle influence that drives up that reverse T3, and that's more concerning about the function of the thyroid gland. Okay. Awesome. So hopefully we haven't lost you guys on all of that (laughs) thyroid talk, but basically here, if stress is managed and the individual is fed enough and nourished um, enough, likely keto is going to have a favorable impact on hormones, on thyroid and on adrenals due to its hormonally supportive and anti-inflammatory mechanisms. Correct. I think that's a great way. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We do see trends certainly in clinic where the body may still experience some imbalance due to, again, that perceived starvation, but we can correct that by a moderate carb liberalization or doing some carb cycling, which I think we'll go to next. Dun, dun, dun. First, <laughs> I want to have a quick word from our sponsor. And this is a good one when we're talking about stress support for sure. I think so too. So uh, this episode is sponsored by Santa Cruz Medicinals. They make super potent CBD formulas. So that's cannabidiol, which is a active compound that is derived from cannabis. They use 100% hemp as their derivative, and their hemp is all Colorado sourced, never sourced from China. They're very tight on their beyond sourcing, ensuring that there is no toxicity. They bottle and produce in glass to prevent BPA, which is awesome when we're talking about the hormone balance and hormone influence when you're taking something like this to help support your body, reduce inflammation, and reduce anxiety. And then there's CBD tincture. I think one really cool thing about it is that it becomes kind of pink with UV exposure, kind of like if you guys have ever seen a raw coconut water that is sometimes pink. And that's the natural polyphenols in the coconut causing this effect. And that's a good indicator that it's a real whole food. 
Yes. Super cool. Um, <laughs> and they're they're sourcing, like Ali said, from Colorado, pesticide free and lab tested for potency and purity. They have some great uh, culinary tools as well. So they have their M- their MCT coconut oil based tincture, as Becky mentioned. They also have uh, coconut oil that is infused with CBD, and they have olive oil that's infused with CBD, which are awesome pantry staples and can be used in any recipe. So I've been playing with different pestos and other herbal infusions and drizzling it on top of my plate. And again, CBD can have anti-inflammatory and anti-anxiety effects, it does drive the parasympathetic state. So when we're talking about this fight or flight mode or rest, digest, regulate, uh, metabolize, CBD does help to put the body in that bubble wrap safe place and not in that overdrive mode. So you can go on over to scmedicinals.com for Santa Cruz Medicinals, scmedicinals.com, and use the code AllieMillerRD at checkout. You will get 10% off and free shipping. Again, it's scmedicinals.com, code AllieMillerRD, and you'll get 10% off and free shipping. Awesome. Such a good tool. And I know I'm going to be getting myself, I say this every time we talk about it, but their lavender clay mask, I'm super pumped about that. I'm going to buy that for myself for Valentine's Day as a self-care and (laughs) stress reduction. (laughs) Yes, I like that. Mm -hmm. All right. So although keto alone shouldn't throw off hormones or thyroid if stress is well managed. And that's like the big caveat there. (laughs) Um, And, and people are like, what? I'm not stressed. Mm." Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, And so that, and beyond that, the individual is well fueled and, and is getting ample calories. Some including the two of us do really well with carb cycling. So let's talk about who's a good fit for carb cycling, what it would look like, how we would apply this and why we might go there. So the concept of carb cycling in in my approach comes back to leptin, right? So there have been leptin receptors that have been identified in ovaries um, and pre-ovulatory follicles. And your fat stores are going to represent a vital component in your body's energy balance and reproductive function. And this is dependent on perceived available energy, right? So leptin can play a role in your menstrual cycle because if your body has low perceived energy available and it is a perceived starvation mode, leptin levels are going to decline. So thinking of it in this sense, um, if you started with a phase of insulin resistance and keto helps you to be insulin sensitive um, and leptin is going up, we're going to see enhanced, again, sexual hormone balance. We do see leptin resistance in individuals that have or elevated leptin levels in individuals that have excess body weight or especially excess body fat, right? That individual is like excessively food secure. (laughs) And so in an individual that has higher amounts of body weight to lose, they may do really well. And, And by higher amount, I would say more than 30 pounds on the scale, okay? So these individuals might do well with like a pure fast um, where they're able to just do black coffee or tea in the morning um, and don't need to add fat to their beverage. And they could do like a 16-8 with just a pure fast. Now, for individuals like Becky and I, um, we fall closer to an ideal body fat um, and dance at like the lower norm end of body fat, right? So we don't have excess leptin. We get the leptin that increases with ketone production. But we, over time, if we stay tight carb control and tight calorie control to some level, um, especially if we tried to do empty fasting or just like a water fast or whatnot, that's going to tank our leptin levels because, again, we don't have that fat reserve. And then if we're not consuming on the daily basis, the body's going to go into that food insecurity. So if you are at a low-fat body state or you've had a dynamic weight loss as of recent, your leptin levels may be too low. And if you wanted to fast, you'd only want to consider doing a fat fast, um, which would mean that you're adding pure fat to your liquid. And that's going to allow the body to say, okay, I'm still a fat burning machine. I'm still getting some fuel because I can't dip into Allie's fat reserves for that excess fuel. So that's the first thing to consider. How would you modify your fast in the consideration of your leptin stores? 
Sure. And then beyond that too, what would things, what are we looking at when we're seeing low leptin? Like how, what would be a signal? I know in myself, it's when um, I don't feel satiated anymore in a keto diet. My <laughs> leptin's probably going low. And I mean, you can test leptin in the blood. You could do something like our cardiometabolic panel, but what's uh-huh. a good indicator that you're going low leptin? So if your cycle gets thrown off, um, if you're having breakthrough bleeding, that can be a big influence for certain. Um, We can also see if you're dealing with um, insomnia, if you're dealing with hanger, so irritability, hungry, anger. So if you're actually like you were, what's food? And now you're like, (laughs) everything looks yummy. (laughs) I want to eat the world. That's an indicator of low leptin, right? Um, I had a guy ask me, he's like, so do I need to carb cycle? Um, And I I said to him, you know, you know, obviously not based on your cycle, but if you're dealing with, again, intermittent waking in the middle of the night, sleeplessness, anxiety is another signal of leptin drops. And the connection is so beyond the the body fat is one kind of way to understand if you don't have excess body fat and you're doing tight carb control and keto and some form of fasting, chances are you might be dipping low leptin if you're experiencing those symptoms, right? So the connection is with carb cycling, that leptin is insulinogenic, meaning that it requires insulin increase to build or produce leptin. So not only will you have to stage one would be don't do a naked fast, only do fat fast. Stage two might be do away with intermittent fasting at all and uh, potentially liberalize your diet to closer to like a 50 grams of carbs. This is what I use in my program as a phase 1.5, where we liberalize non-starchy vegetables. We allow, you know, small amounts of like starchy veg, like carrots, butternut squash, maybe quarter cup or upwards of a half cup um, that can be kind of sprinkled throughout the day in distribution of still a keto dominant diet. And for some people, that's enough. For others, we actually want to do a targeted carb cycling. And this is going to be focusing on the times when leptin is in highest demand in the body. Um, So when we look at women's hormones, we're often looking to not stress a system that is in its highest effort or energy output. So ovulation and period are two times that I recommend carb cycling for women. And it's technically actually a post-ovulatory impact when we see the most dynamic changes in serum leptin. So cool that you can kind of follow your cycle in that way and that it's actually following the the peak and rise of or peak and fall of leptin as well. Yeah. And I mean, I think even like endocrinology research is just starting to understand this beautiful dance of leptin and sexual hormone balance. But a study out in 2013 by the Journal of Endocrinology and Metabolism, um, and we can link it in the show notes, it's a really great one. Um, They looked at serum leptin levels and found, again, the lowest levels were during active menstrual and the secretory phase of uh, menstruation, which is um, going to be seen post-ovulatory, about three to five days post-ovulation, with the highest leptin levels seen around the luteal phase. So like connecting the dots to getting cravings or the munchies around certain times of your cycle, it's probably because your leptin's going low, right? Yeah, I I think <laughs> yeah. I'll take, yeah, I would, I would take that for sure. Um, so, you know, we know that if our leptin level isn't repleted and we're already running borderline low, that this is critical in maintaining proper hormone expression and healthy menstrual cycles. So this is like the first line of defense, right? So Leptin is a super sensitive marker of your nutritional status and your fact that you are food secure. So if your insulin levels are very low and you're running at low glucose because you're making ketones, this complex feedback mechanism, if your fat stores are also low, might offset your hypothalamic regulation of your reproductive system. Okay. So much there. Um, So (laughs) How would we implement then, Allie, based on menstrual cycle, if we're getting a menstrual cycle, how would we implement carb cycling? I know we talk about days one to two and 19 of and 19 and 20 of a 28-day cycle. Um, so you're essentially just taking those carbs again at those greatest dips 
of leptin, correct? Exactly. So 19 and 20 is with that assumption, again, that you're ovulating like around day 14 um, or so, you know, of this 28-day cycle. And you're you're basically just pushing the reset button on your hormone. Um, so you're refilling glycogen stores higher than your body is, is used to, right? Glycogen being the, the storage form of glucose. And um, that's telling the body like, hey, Allie is safe, she is fueled, she is nourished, and um, this allows us to have that insulinogenic leptin rebound, if you will. And often women that have a shorter cycle will notice that carb cycling around that day 19 and 20 allows them to make it past day 26 if they've otherwise experienced a cycle that was trailing to be now you know, 26 days, 25, 24 when our cycle shortens that much, we're likely anovulatory or we're not ovulating. And that's a protective mechanism because, again, the body perceives starvation. And Allie, I think this is something, I, I don't know if we've talked about it together, but I've seen on your story, and this happened to me this past month, I didn't carb cycle. It just didn't occur to me. And my cycle was like 24 days. It's so like, yeah. <laughs> I now notice the really dynamic impact. And it's it's so nice to have that permission, I guess, to indulge in some of the foods that you know, when you're on your cycle, you might crave or desire within reason and actually have these foods have a purpose. Yes. Yes, Um, for sure. And it just creates kind of this more sustainable, flexible approach. Plus it has the benefits of aiding in fertility and really maximizing your hormonal balance. Yeah. I mean, you can eat foods that are definitely nourishing and rich in phytocompounds, antioxidants. I love to do like apple with nut butter. I like to do um, sweet potato cooked in coconut oil, dates wrapped in bacon. (laughs) And you know, (laughs) all of these things in synergy with the benefit that, or or anything chocolate, right? (laughs) Like Stella's second birthday cake, maybe. (laughs) And all of these with the goal of enhanced leptin activity, reduced inflammation, over time, still helping to regulate that insulin and provide that satiety and reset to regulate this hypothalamic response to our FSH and LH. So super awesome stuff there. Yes. And I love that this strategy too can be applied to boost body fat burn and support our lean body mass, reduce inflammation and heal autoimmune disease and be a natural fertility boost. Yes. So I think we have time for like super rapid fire okay. mode. Okay. Good deal. <laughs> um, I pulled from our uh, questions because I think this will just kind of like address. I think if we pull these rapid fire, it'll be a whole other episode, but I think we just hit them <laughs> and let's do it, girl. <laughs> what were All the right. top questions we got? All right. Let's do it. Um, so starting with hot flashing in keto, I hear this one a lot that hot flashes have increased since starting keto. So we see dynamic drops in weight and body fat. Remember that your body fat cells or adipocytes are estrogenic. So we do get, and we see in clinical research, drops in estrogen with body fat loss. Um, So one thing we might want to do is bring in the ultimate detox, which is going to clean up the influence of the release of the um, contents that were also stored in our fat cells, like our um, hormone dysregulating compounds and toxins. That's one approach. Another thing is to potentially eat more fat. Um, If you don't have enough fat in your diet, maybe you're not producing um, those hormones. Remember, increasing fat in the diet can help with production of estrogen and testosterone for those that are in a perimenopausal state. So make sure you're getting ample fat in the diet and then support detox with the ultimate detox. Okay. This is the rapidest fire I've ever seen you do. This is (laughs) (laughs) Give me it. Don't worry, Let's guys. Do there will be show notes. Um, so loss of cycle with keto. This is a big one that I see women getting into yeah. you know, a year plus of keto lose their cycle. Yes. So the first thing I would say is stop fasting. You need to get your body into a food secure system. So max out at 12 hours without food. During the 12-hour window, at least eat three times. Make sure you're getting enough fat and enough calories so the body feels food secure, okay? You might want to increase your fat from both the last question and this question, no more than like 30 extra grams a day, right? So maybe two tablespoons of extra fat might do the trick. Then the next thing I'd say for the loss of period is get your micronutrient status secured with the insurance policy of the multi-avail mama. Or if you want a twice a day option and you're not looking for fertility yet, it could be the multi-defense. 
And then um, I would definitely support if you've lost your cycle that stress access with the Calm and Clear Adaptogen and Adaptogen Boost. You could just do the stress support bundle if you're at that point, and then reduce excess exercise and get ample sleep. All right. And what if your cycle either isn't coming at all, isn't regular, or you're menopausal? How do you carb cycle then? So you could follow the moon. Um, So the full moon is considered, we talk about this in episode 106 or 107 um, when we talk about natural birth control. Uh, The full moon is thought of as ovulation and the new moon as your menstruation. So you can use those uh, moon calendars to regulate. You can also just pick if you're postmenopausal or um, a man um, and you don't want to follow the moon, then you could just pick based on your calendar. It could be the first and second and 15th and 16th of the month or as a freedom factor based on your social calendar. And that might work as the best strategy too. Yeah. I tend to do that if I'm going to indulge at a wedding or something like that. Right. Works that really well. Work fine. Um, how can I reduce PMS symptoms? So again, back to those episodes 106 and 107, I would direct people for more, but absolutely you quick And then today we talked about prolactin and how hemp seeds can benefit that. Um, I would also bring in carb cycling if you're doing tight keto. That might help bring up your progesterone levels and that leptin, which might help with the PMS mood stuff. And then relax and regulate because inositol in there, we always talk about the maglycinate, but the inositol in there helps with intercellular signaling and hormone balance and also has been shown in a lot of studies to support PCOS. All right. And then how to reduce DHEA. We talked about this one a little keto. bit. Keto. Yes. <laughs> do the ketogenic keto. diet. Um, you can do fat fasting if your weight is at an ideal weight or you're within you know 10 pounds of your ideal weight. You could do a fat fast, um, but keep your carbs tight. If you have excess DHEA, I wouldn't probably do carb cycling until your DHEA levels have come down. All right. What about keto for heavy periods and cramps? So I talked about how your sexual binding globulin um, can be regulated by your rebounding cortisol. So remember that keto has a favorable impact over time on your cortisol, but make sure that you are having ample fat in your diet. You want to cut caffeine, um, probably cut caffeine out, especially coffee, the last six days leading up to your period. Add in more adaptogens to help support the stress influence. And I would also bring maca in to support that progesterone. You may even need to consider bioidentical progesterone because that likely means that you have excess estrogen. But the first line of defense would be adjusting that cortisol, which again drives that excess estrogen expression. So back to the stress support bundle. And then um, you would do well likely with carb cycling to reduce that heavy period as well. Keto and acne. Okay. So a lot of people get better uh, skin results and then it gets worse over time. And this can be because keto in uh, in the kind of intro is very anti-inflammatory. And we do know that inflammation drives acne progression. Um, so very low carb diets have been shown to bring down that insulin growth factor as well as other inflammatory markers. And that can help with the influence on reduction of acne. Um, we also can see that the high fat diet can be supportive for hormones. But if you start to see a decline after you saw an improvement, the first thing I would look at is the microbiome. So I would try my probiotic challenge because often like candida, yeast overgrowth, bacteria imbalance become thrifty. And so these pathogens now start to eat off of ketones. So they may have kind of started to die off as you starved off the sugar, but now they found an alternate fuel source. Okay. And then I'm going to try to wrap this last question into (laughs) last two questions into one, um, keto to support healthy pregnancy and keto for fertility. I think we've pretty much covered, but, um, can you do keto while pregnant or leading up to trying to get pregnant? So yes, you can do it leading up to pregnancy. You can do a tight keto. Just make sure you have enough fat so the body doesn't restrict hormone production, right? So you would not want to do a naked fast. You'd want to do a fat fast. To support hormone regulation, you should be on the multi-avail mama, the EPA, DHA extra, and probably a good probiotic to regulate all systems. And then a big thing I recommend if you've had a history of like miscarriage or dealing with infertility is our cellular antiox because we do know that glutathione plays a role in follicular health and protecting egg health. 
So super important to bring in that cellular antioxidant. Now, once you get a positive pregnancy test, um, and you might also, <laughs> as you're leading up to pregnancy, support that stress access, right? So make sure you're sleeping, make sure you're nourished, but you could be tight carb control. Once you get a positive pregnancy test, I recommend rather than a keto approach, being intuitive, don't override the signals of your body. Um, you want to focus on relax and getting into that regulatory state, supporting your body with fuel. So don't fast beyond a 12-hour period is my recommendation. Don't force feed, but also don't over-restrict. Eat a high-fat diet, but probably practice more of like a low-glycemic paleo approach. Um, watch your body's feedback and be mindful of liberalization of plant-based compounds and likely some starchy vegetables and fruits to balance everything out. All right. I can't believe we got to all of the questions <laughs> today, um, but I'll make sure I include a lot of those recommendations in our show notes because I know that last part was a high-powered hose as Allie is. Uh, but this was another jam-packed episode that hopefully provides you guys a lot of high-interest content. And I hope you all love today's episode. If you did, please hop on over to iTunes to give us a five-star review and show a little bit of love with a couple of sentences of why you love the podcast or what you learned today. Um, also be sure to check out all the links in each episode, which can be found on the podcast page at AllieMillerRD.com. And they'll have direct click-throughs to all of the products that we've referenced in our line and beyond. Yes. So please share. Sharing is caring. And thank you for listening. And be sure to tag at Allie Miller RD on Instagram and social media if you are listening to the episode so friends and family members can also be empowered by food as medicine. Thank you for listening to the Naturally Nourished podcast. Visit our blog at AllieMillerRD.com for recipes, wellness tips, and food as medicine meal plans. Connect with Allie and Becky at AllieMillerRD on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Until next time, stay nourished and be well.